This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, March 21st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Google is unveiling its ChatGPT competitor called BARD this week. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, a report commissioned by the operators of Lollapalooza details the festival's contribution to city, state, and federal tax coffers. We're joined by Bob Reed, business writer and contributor with Chicago Magazine. Bob, thank you for joining us today. When it comes to reports on economic impact commissioned by the event itself, uh, how much of this is uh, actual uh, math and how much of this is uh, the event trying to make the numbers sing the song they want to play? Well, Rob, it's sort of a combination of the two, but you're right to be skeptical whenever you have a report that's commissioned by the people who want to hear only good things. But in this uh, case, when you look at the uh, report itself, they're basing their economic impact results on the festival operations and the attendance-related spending. What they're saying is that uh, it will generate, Lollapalooza did generate in uh, last year, $335 million to the Chicago economy. You break that down a little bit, and it's $80 million for food and beverage, about $48 million for hotels, $15 $15 million for outside entertainment. And what it's saying is that this is also having a ripple effect on employment. Uh, they say it's the equivalent of 2,500 full-time jobs. Um, I don't know about that. But you can also see that it generates something in the ballpark of $37 million in local county state taxes. So overall, they're painting a pretty good picture, but I think there's a lot of reality behind what they're, what these numbers are. Well, it's, it seems very difficult to compare the economic impact of Lollapalooza, a known quantity, something that has been in Grant Park for uh, the last 20 summers, minus the pandemic year, uh, when compared to the NASCAR race, which hasn't happened yet. And there's just a lot, of, a lot about it we just don't know until it actually happens. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It is sort of an apples and oranges type of thing. As you say, you've got 20 years of data that you can sift through and come up, come up with conclusions about Lollapalooza. NASCAR is different. NASCAR has a lot of promises. We know that the city is going to get a half a million dollar flat fee out of it. 15% uh, it gets a cut of the merchandise and concessions. Uh, NASCAR itself says it's going to generate $113 million in two days. Lollapalooza is longer than that. But from that point on, you know, it really is a bit of a crap uh, shoot. You don't know if it's going to hit these numbers. Plus, you don't know what the impact is going to be on the Grand Park area. You know, Lollapalooza is somewhat contained, but when you start doing NASCAR and you're driving through uh, Lakeshore Drive and Michigan Avenue and uh, the museum campus, 
a lot of things could happen. So there's a lot of unknowns here. Is this a deal, as far as the NASCAR race is concerned, does the city make this deal if COVID-19 never happened? Uh, is it is it designed to be even a loss leader just to jumpstart the tourism and hotel industries? I think a case can be made for that. It's de- uh, definitely generated to bring on some excitement and to bring people into Chicago I don't know if Chicago has a huge NASCAR fan base, but I know that NASCAR is trying to branch out into the northern cities. It's already done so in Los Angeles. It's coming to Chicago. I think it believes it's a magnet for a lot of people in the rural areas and adjoining states that want to come in and see that type of racing. So definitely it's a way to jumpstart hotel business and uh, the restaurant business as well. So, you know, there's a reason to do it. Whether it is being executed the way it should has been a subject of controversy. Local aldermen are concerned about the transparency and the impact of this event on the city. Bob Reed, business writer and contributor, Chicago Magazine. Thank you for joining us this afternoon to talk about both the Lollapalooza and the upcoming NASCAR race and its economic impact. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Bard AI is Google's entry into the chatbot competition. Let's learn about it from Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group, professor of advanced media in residence at the Newhouse School of Public Communication at Syracuse University. Shelley, thank you for joining us today. How does Bard AI stack up with ChatGPT, which is already part of uh, their competition? It's already part of Microsoft's Bing search engine. This is going to be really interesting. Google is planning to have BARD be standalone as a chat client the way that ChatGPT stands alone. Microsoft is planning to take GPT-4, the underlying technology, and incorporate that large language model into every single Microsoft product so that everything in the Microsoft Office from Word to PowerPoint to Excel will be enhanced by AI. Google is going to put this BARD toolset inside the, at least for experimentation purposes, inside the uh, people who have Google Workplace, which is the paid version of the Google Office Suite. Um, I got to tell you, this is going to be a war. And Google's not setting itself up to win right now. Uh, The models are going to perform pretty well. I I think uh, Google's Lambda model and chat uh, GPT-4, which is OpenAI's model, and Meta's Llama model, or Llama model, depending on how you like to say it, um, they all have slightly different spellings, but they're all the same thing. They're all large language models, and you're going to get roughly the same kinds of outputs out of them. So uh, we'll see. I think Google has got a long road to catch up, and the idea that they're not immediately incorporating this into everything they do is a little bit strange to me. Now, it, it, I mean, if you want to give them points for transparency, it does say this is uh, a work in progress. You know, don't, uh, you know, there will be mistakes. It will say it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> don't short the stock as a result or don't, you know, say that Google's... Don't short it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they already had, a, they already took a, oh. a financial hit because of uh, uh, Bard making a mistake or two. But how, you know, outside of the, you know, the integration into the office products, what are some of the ways that uh, people will interact with BARD just as part of their daily internet usage experience? I mean, if you're a Google person, that's what you'll do. I think Google is having a Kodak moment. I really do. 
you know, Kodak invented digital photography and then sat on it because they didn't want to interrupt their paper business or their film business. Google basically invented transformers. They open sourced it. This is, this is their tech that OpenAI has built upon. But Google's got a $150, $160 billion search business that will be decimated by this. Web traffic is going to be decreased dramatically. If you can search in a conversational AI and you don't need to click on an ad, well, there's no way to click on it if it's just talking to you. Like, this is really going to impact their bottom line. So they're dragging their feet, going slow. I don't know what they're thinking because they're, they're scared out of their wits. And, and they're the smartest people in the world at Google. And they're all sitting there going, um, if there's no ad to click on, they probably won't click on it. So this is an issue for these guys. And then very quickly, uh, the, the the technical limitations of all the chatbots so far is that uh, there is a there's it gives you all the information available on the internet up to 2021. Is that the case with BARD or is it completely up to date? No, they can't be completely up to date because of the nature of what they are. And when we have more time, we can go over the decision matrix you need to use when you approach these conversational tools because they're not right for, they don't solve every problem. And people who are going to this and saying, oh, I'm talking to a person that knows everything. It's like, okay, that's clearly not how you use this. And it certainly doesn't increase your productivity, nor does it help anyone to think about it that way. So yeah, Google's going to be the same kind of thing. It's only up to a point. And you know, it does what it does. These are narrow focus productivity tools. Let us not lose sight of that. They're, what they do, they do very well. And what they don't do, they don't do very well. Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, the V8 gas-powered muscle car is taking a victory lap. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Dodge is making its final gasoline-powered V8 muscle car. Let's learn about the Challenger SRT Demon from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. John, thanks for joining us today. Uh, tell us some of the stats on this car, which is designed to uh, uh, make a victory lap and based on the power under the hood uh it'll do that victory lap in a matter of seconds <laughs> well rob this car is crazy i say it'll make your eyes bleed fast that the nhra you know the national hot rod association these are the guys that that run all the, the uh, drag strips and everything uh sanctioned them they've banned this car because it's so quick it doesn't have a parachute you know, when dragsters come to the end to, to help them uh, break and in enough time, they have a parachute that comes out the back. Well, Dodge is going to start making those available through aftermarket parts that it sells through direct connection. And, uh, yeah, you were asking about stats. So if it's only running on uh, premium gasoline, it, it generates – the engine only generates 900 horsepower. I say only, you know, with uh, air quotes – but if you run E85, that is gasoline with 85% alcohol or ethanol in it, the ethanol boosts the octane rating up to 170, and you get 1,025 horsepower out of that engine. So it's complete madness. And, you know, this thing's going to cost about $100,000. They're not going to make a lot of them. They're going to build them until the end of the year. When that's done, that's it. They're not going to make any more. 
and I'll bet they sell every single one they make. The, uh, the, the, the technology that's on the way, as far as electric vehicles are concerned, the performance they can deliver, it's very cool to talk about, and there certainly is a bright future in that particular space. But looking back on the era of the gasoline-powered muscle car, which the Dodge Challenger is designed to uh, basically uh, say goodbye to, uh, it just conjures up a whole lot of, of, of memories of... Of of these big high performance sports cars. I mean, you talk about it's not just the cars themselves. It's the it's the drag strip commercials that used to be on the radio. The guy saying Sunday that they were everywhere for a long time. Uh, Beach Boys songs. I mean, cars songs about cars and and ads for uh, motor oil and tires and 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 just you know that were such a big part of our lives for such a long time. No, you're absolutely right in that. And, and it's funny because you mentioned all that stuff that goes way back there. But the people buying these cars today, they weren't even born when, you know, the Sunday, Sunday, you know, come on down to the dragway kind of ads were running on the radio. You've got a whole new generation that are into these muscle cars. And they're there because they love the visceral sounds and feels of these things. I mean, these these cars do not go quietly into the night. They're they're rambunctious. They're They're loud. They... They shake, rattle, and roll, and that's very appealing to a lot of people. Now, you know, a lot of people are going to criticize Dodge for, for doing this, but, you know, uh, they're calling this the last call of the Challenger demons because when it's gone, it's gone, and, and Dodge is actually going to be the first one to come out with an electric supercar, muscle car. And uh, so they're, they're, they're going to ride out this internal combustion engine as long as they can, i.e. to the end of the year, and then they're going electric. So, so, and, and, and so they're they're going to laugh all the way to the bank because they are going to uh, uh, create a sense of scarcity. Uh, they are prepared for the future, and they're also appealing to the uh, lizard brain of car guys that love that power and love that noise. You're absolutely right. They are going to laugh all the way to the bank, and Dodge has been brilliant in how it's been marketing its muscle cars. I mean, they're doing a, be- a better job than anybody else in the industry. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen talks about the stability of the U.S. banking system. Police in New York are preparing for possible unrest should former President Trump be indicted by a grand jury. In Travel Tuesday, a guide to some of the best natural spaces in Illinois. And we'll also discuss the best credit cards for people who are just starting to travel. WBBM Business, the market's
points or higher. The Dow is up 179 points. The Nasdaq is up 136. S&P 500 is up 34. 49 degrees right now in Chicago, going up to 55 this afternoon. It's 12:31. Topping our news at the half hour. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is insisting that the U.S. banking system remains sound despite continued worries by companies and investors. The details from CBS News correspondent Allison Keyes. Yellen told the American Bankers Association that the federal government's action in the wake of bank failures in California and New York demonstrates its commitment to take the necessary steps to ensure that depositors' savings and the banking system remain safe. She also says more action might be needed if smaller institutions suffer deposit runs that pose a risk of spreading. Allison Keyes, CBS News, Washington. Law enforcement in New York is on high alert should a grand jury in Manhattan indict former President Trump. The details from correspondent Jared Hill. Steel barricades brought in by NYPD now surround the Manhattan Courthouse and District Attorney's Office. Monday, small groups rallied near Trump's home in Florida and in New York. We're here to claim our streets back. We need a DA who's going to focus on doing the job and not weaponizing his office. Intelligence sources tell CBS News they've seen a significant increase in threats and violent rhetoric online from domestic extremists, although they haven't indicated uh, that there is any credible or direct threat against a person or property. Sources tell CBS News the indictment is not expected today, though it could come by the end of the week. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are gaining ground once again. We're joined by Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Bank stocks once again leading the way. Is this a continuation of yesterday's relief rally? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, with every passing day, particularly with the banks that are not the money center banks, but the so-called regional banks, we're seeing a recovery in confidence. And that was helped a lot by the comments made by uh, Secretary of the Treasury Yellen, uh, who says that she's effectively going to, uh, let's call it backstop, all deposits regardless of their size. In other words, they can exceed the limit of 250000 uh, dollars and they will still be just fine if the bank runs into trouble. And so that's restored confidence. And right from 1907, when we had our first major bank run in New York City, right up until the current period of time, confidence is really the issue. She understands that, and that's helping and showing up in the market. The market's doing well, primarily because of a restoration a comeback in confidence. Now, we do have uh, the Fed policy meeting this week, and this is the first uh, real speed bump of the uh, rate hiking and tightening cycle. Uh, They've never really had to to worry about a whole lot of other stuff as they make their decisions to uh, raise interest rates. And it seems like investors are betting that the Fed will uh, take their uh, foot off the gas just a little bit. Uh, Is that bet, uh, is that that belief uh, backed by sound reasoning? Uh, the, the expectation, as I see it, Rob, right now, uh, the expectation earlier in the week was that they might pause, that they might take their foot off the brake. I think the expectation now is that they will raise rates uh, 25 basis points. We'll be watching very much the so-called dot plot. The dot plot really uh, shows us what the members of the Open Market Committee, the ones that are really going to make the vote on interest rates, think what interest rates should be doing given their 
uh, obvious focus on, on inflation. And now, of course, inflation and then also the banking crisis. But I think the expectation is now we're going to see a 25 basis point hike. And then there's a possibility that we might see the same thing in May and June at their May and June meetings. In other words, the Federal Reserve is likely, I think, to stay focused on the rate of inflation. But you never know. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's very, we call it, data dependent. It depends on the numbers as they come out over the course of the next uh, month or two. When, when trying to analyze all the various data points that are coming in from manufacturing, uh, uh, Fed region manufacturing reports that are coming in soft, housing clearly in a recession, uh, the employment market still very strong, uh, you do have uh, some favorable CPI and PPI numbers in the mix on top of this uh, this banking crisis of confidence. Uh, if, if you're one of the Fed Board of Governors, you know, and you're trying to set policy, where do you begin? It's really hard to do that. You have to focus on the employment numbers and the other numbers like retail sales, personal spending, the economic numbers. They tell you how the economy is doing. And although the economy is expanding, you mentioned employment report has been very strong. But despite the fact that these numbers have been good or strong, they still continue basically slowly, very slowly over time to slow down. And, of course, the rate of inflation, regardless of what measure you use, producer prices or consumer prices is also coming down on a year-over-year basis. So the numbers, the um, the economic numbers are slowing, but not slowing fast enough for the Fed. And, and it's also the case that the inflation numbers are coming down, but also not fast enough for the Fed. That's why I'm likely to conclude uh, that we're going to see 25 basis points as the result of this meeting and a very good chance that we'll see the same thing in May and in June, their focus is not off inflation uh, yet, and I think they'll make that fairly clear. Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany, New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, visiting the top natural attractions in Illinois. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's Travel Tuesday, and this afternoon we're heading to the great outdoors for some of the best places that Illinois has to offer. We welcome in Marla Schahowski, spokesperson for the Illinois Office of Tourism based in Chicago. Marla, thank you for joining us today. And this is a realization that many people who maybe just know Illinois through the Chicago area or perhaps Rockford or Galena, this is a really big state. <laughs> and and you don't <laughs> really correct. know that or appreciate that until you drive into Illinois through I-57 going up through Cairo, just how large Illinois really is and, and the sheer amount of nature and, 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 and nature experiences you can have uh, in Illinois. Exactly. Illinois is full of incredible outdoor experiences for the, any nature lover, lover, photographer lover, if you love hiking, biking, I mean, anything that you want to do, you can find it right here in Illinois. Well, but now now that I've uh, said that uh, you really should experience Illinois outside of the Chicago area, let's start with the two uh, state parks that are in the Chicago area with uh, the Illinois Beach State Park in Zion and Starved Rock. Uh, the, the Just the stuff that you could do and, and the, 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 the day trips you can have uh, at two places that aren't very far away from the Chicago metropolitan area. 
Exactly. Yeah. The Illinois Beach State Park up in Zion, as you said, is in Lake County, you know, just about an hour's drive from um, the Chicago area. And it's more than 4,000 acres, um, which people probably don't don't even realize. There's dunes there, marshes, oak forests that stretch about six and a half miles long along the sandy shore of Lake Michigan um, up in the northern part of the state. And there is a newly renovated Illinois Beach Hotel there that you can spend the night at. It's a new property located right in the state park. All of the rooms have gorgeous views of Lake Michigan. And it's really the only hotel like it in Illinois, which is really cool. Um, and Star Rock State Park in Oglesby, less than a two-hour drive from the Chicago area. I mean, you're going to find beautiful waterfalls, bluffs, and rugged canyons. The park is really made up of 18 canyons that were formed by melting glaciers, um, obviously, many, many, many years ago. But it really allows itself for some pretty incredible photo opportunities when you visit there. And spring is a great time to get out there, especially if there's a big rain. You're going to see a lot of those waterfalls in action. And to get there from Chicago, you drive through Utica, which experienced a renaissance in the wake of that uh, devastating tornado 20 years ago. So there's a pretty cool winery there, lots of shops and restaurants uh, to and from Starved Rock. Yes, definitely. Illinois Sparkling and August Hill Winery. You can stop in there and taste some incredible wines that are made right here in Illinois. And uh, just point your car south on I-57, and sooner or later you will uh, hit the Shawnee National Forest and the Garden of the Gods hiking trail, which uh, that, that goes back to my original point that, you, that, that, that you, believe it or not, you're still in Illinois. You are. And, you know, believe it or not, Illinois is home to a national forest, the Shawnee National Forest in the southern part of the state. Garden of the Gods and the Rimrock Recreational Area are down there, are some of the most popular spots within the forest. The Observation Trail is a half-mile trail that will take you directly to the Garden of the Gods, where you can overlook the Mississippi and Ohio rivers with spectacular views. There's also Giant City State Park down there in the Canada, uh, which is a, another beautiful state park with lots of hiking trails and horseback riding, fishing. You can even do some rappelling down there. So it's a beautiful part of the state. Marla Shahowski, spokesperson for the Illinois Office of Tourism based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us on this Travel Tuesday. And join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. Still to come, helping beginner travelers identify the best credit cards for them. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. People who travel a lot, you know, road warriors, probably have identified credit cards that have the most perks for them. But if you're a beginner, you may not know the best choices. Let's get some help from Ted Rossman, industry analyst with creditcards.com based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. It seems that uh, if you're just uh, a beginner when it comes to credit cards and travel rewards, you really have to do some uh, soul searching or just kind of identify uh, the amount of travel that you do and what matters most to you when you're on the road. You do. And I tend to think of no annual fee cards as best suited for beginners and also cash back. And there's actually a way to blend no annual fee, cash back, and travel with the Wells Fargo autograph card. That actually give three, that gives three points per dollar, basically 3% cash back on a wide variety of travel, transit, gas, dining. I actually think that's a really solid option for a lot of people. Uh, of course, there are many others too, but you know, I think you need to consider how you spend your money, what you want to get out of your rewards, 
and how much complexity you're willing to take on. And the other question, too, is if you're just starting out, uh, a, a travel rewards card that uh, covers a wide variety of perks uh, until you can identify how much you travel and what matters to you when you're on the road. That's right. Yeah. Another good way to dip your toe into this is to get something like the Chase Sapphire Preferred card, which has a $95 annual fee, but a lot of good travel perks, including transfer partners. So if you want to start playing that game of transferring to different airlines and hotels, that can be very lucrative. It's a little more complicated. So maybe rather than getting its more expensive sibling, the Sapphire Reserve, which has a $550 annual fee. Maybe you start with the $95 Sapphire Preferred. Another way to kind of blend these two worlds is the Capital One Venture card, which also has a $95 annual fee and in some respects could be used almost like a 2% cash back card with some travel perks thrown in, um, but also has some transfer partners that you could get accustomed to and maybe get even more value. They'll even pay for your global entry or TSA pre-check membership. And then what if you're just uh, your inclination is to go to an airline credit card? Uh, is that a good idea uh, if you're just uh, you know a, a once or twice a year traveler? Even traveling just once or twice a year could be worth it. A lot of times these cards have a $95 annual fee, sometimes more but they'll give you free check bags. So, you know, even just you and one companion, you know, you might be paying more than that in bag fees just on a single round trip. So um, that can make sense. I tend to think airline and hotel branded cards are most lucrative though, if you're very loyal to a specific chain. If you like to play the field and kind of go wherever it's cheapest, then maybe one of these other more general purpose options would be better. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay of podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.